up world it's your past first point guard and trailblazers reporter mike richmond you're listening to another episode of locked on blazers part of the locked on podcast network available wherever you get podcasts and also on youtube thanks for making locked on blazers your first listen every single day it's free five days a week on all platforms coming at you every single weekday so make it a part of your daily routine and make it your first listen every single day today's episode is a modified mailbag episode we do this each and every week or at least most weeks answering listener submitted questions all episode long if you want to get involved in a future mailbag at mike g rich on twitter just send me a tweet whenever you're thinking of it hopes if you tag it as mailbag or wait for the day of the show follow me on twitter or just check my twitter feed and i will send out a tweet soliciting questions respond to that tweet i'll do my best to get you in the show if you're not a twitter user or just someone who doesn't tweet you can email me locked on blazerspod at gmail.com that's locked on blazerspod at gmail.com that's the two ways to do it like i said we do this each and every week today's episode is going to be a little bit different because we're going to go fastest recap in the west to begin this one the blazers played tonight it's wednesday evening they lost to the phoenix suns 120 to 90 so here's what we do with this time your fastest recap in the west the blazers trailed by just one after the first quarter 29 28 anthony simons had 11 points he had four of six from the field he was three of three from deep he was balling he did not make a shot after the first quarter the blazers found themselves down 15 at halftime down 23 entering the fourth quarter uh Neither team really played their starters. CJLB played for the Blazers down the stretch, and but neither team really played their starters any serious minutes, and the Blazers lose 120 to 90. Portland started in this game. Anthony Simon, CJLB, Elijah Hughes, Josh Hart, and Drew Eubanks, and the Phoenix Suns without Chris Paul, who's out for an extended period of time with a thumb injury, and without Devin Booker, who entered the NBA's health and safety protocols on Wednesday afternoon. So it was Landry Shaman and Cam- Cameron Payne in the backcourt for the Suns, and it did not matter because the Suns got busy, got whatever they wanted. The Blazers are basically playing two and a half NBA players. Um, Trent Wofford's my guy, but he's like half an NBA player at this point. Uh, it's He's you know, he's a good deep rotation player is what he is. And the Blazers were, you know, led by Brandon Williams off the bench. Uh, Trent Watford finished with 13, seven and six, but he had nine and three in the fourth quarter when the game was already decided. Uh, Watford looks, he, he continues to be, uh, have some promise, but he's he's got some uh, sort of skill deficiencies. And I think now's a good time to work through him. But the idea that he's like a, a huge game changer at this point, as opposed to a really good, really nice complimentary part. And if he had re- better teammates, an even better complimentary part. But the Blazers are just light on, they're light on talent right now. Just really light on talent, intentionally so. Simons, like I said, uh, 11 in that first quarter, finished with 11 in the game and six assists. I thought he had a really nice passing first half, but the Suns, a good defensive team, made it hard on him. And he couldn't get loose. And the the it's... You'd like to see Ant do a little bit more, but so much of this is just about his teammates. Uh, he's... It is what it is. Like he, they just, they just don't have a, they don't have a very good roster. Josh Hart uh, finished with ten. Drew Eubanks thirteen and eight. Uh, like I said, Trenna Watford thirteen seven and six. Brandon Williams had, had a team high fourteen. CJ Elby also added ten. Did not think it was a very good CJ Elby game. Matt passed up a bunch of open shots in the first half and then played the entire fourth quarter with the, with the sort of end of the bench crew. Suns uh, six players in double figures, led by Cameron Johnson, who had. 20 off the bench. That is your fastest recap in the West and a, and a quick little look at the box score. Let's talk about this one via via the mailbag. Uh, Matthias Lindgren at Matthias Lindgren 16 on Twitter asks, are you worried about players picking up bad habits and roles that they will not play next year? No, no, I'm not. Simply put, I'm not. Uh, I don't think in this game... I don't think, I think two players who played in this game will be regular parts of the Blazers opening night rotation next year. I think Josh Hart will play regular minutes and I think Anthony Simon is going to play regular minutes. Uh, 
both conceivably starters, although I think they kind of play the same position, so you'd rather have them... Uh, you'd rather have Simon start and Josh Hart come off the bench in a perfect world. I think Watford is like a fourth big, maybe a fifth big, a nice end of the bench part. But like if you're talking about a good playoff team, I'm not a hundred percent sure. Trent Watford in year two is a regular contributor. Blazers basically have two and a half NBA players. I'm not worried about guys like Drew Eubanks and Elijah Hughes who are not going to be on the team next season or CJ Ellaby, who's, you know, borderline going to be in the league next year or, uh, or, you know, Greg Brown, who's going to be the end of the bench guy, or Keldon Blevins, or or Keon Johnson. Like, I'm not worried about them developing bad habits. That is not that is not something um, that is not something that concerns me. The simple answer to that is no. Uh, with I thought Ant played well, and his teammates aren't his teammates didn't make life easier on him, and the Suns' defense made it harder on him. Mickey Walker at Mickey IR Mickeyer seven on Twitter. I do not have your handle right. Mickey, shoot me a, shoot me a note so I can get the pronunciation right. Mickey asks, does Ant playing with less talent around him hurt his development, especially when it comes to ball movement? Hard to justify passing when guys around you won't be able to make much out of it and tough to get realistic reads when you're just getting doubled all the time. So I disagree I wholeheartedly with this, just 100% disagree. I think this is good for Ant. Um, being the top of the scouting report, getting double team and having to work through it, having to make decisions with you know four defenders loading up to you this is really good for his development um it's all he's only going to see easier coverages from here on out it helps him tighten his ball handling one of the skills that he really needs to work on uh it helps him tighten his playmaking decision making which i think is is a place he's taken strides but has continued to get better i thought he made great decisions in the first half i thought he had an excellent decision making and playmaking first half he just kept passing the ball to cj ellaby who passed up two wide open threes to elijah hughes who bricked a wide open one like it's your teammates matter. Talent matters. It's a talent league. So much of it, you know, top end talent is going to judge is going to end up being like such a huge part of how this all works. And I think Ant getting this type of defensive attention is only good. I think this is only good. He's not being very productive. He's had some. He's had two bad games in a row, uh, production wise, with teams really keying on him. And and you want him to see him take strides there and still be you know productive and. It, in these losses, like the Blazers could lose by 20 and, and Ant would just have a slightly better game than lose by 30. Um, he's not there yet. He's struggling a little bit. You want to see him get there, but I, I love to see him have to do it against defenses loading up on him. I think that can only be good for his development. I'm not worried about his bad habits because I don't think he's developing those. And I'm not worried about him getting too much defensive attention because I think that's good for him. Stevie's mom at Stevie's mom one on Twitter asks, have the Blazers ever tanked in the past? If so, how did that tank work out for him? The short answer? Perfectly. The last time the Blazers sort of really did this, tore it down, a team that was like supposed to be good and then wasn't, and then they decided to go the other direction, was at the end of the 2011-2012 season. It was on trade deadline day in 2012 when the team had already kind of mutinied and quit on uh, Nate McMillan, and they fired Nate McMillan and, and inserted a, uh, an interim head coach, Caleb Canales, and then they traded away Marcus Camby, sent Marcus Camby to the Houston Rockets in exchange for Hashim Thabit and Johnny Flynn, two Blazers legends and a second-round pick, and they traded Gerald Wallace. Uh, who had been who had been a a, uh, a big addition to sort of bolster a team that thought they had you know championship potential in the previous season and the Blazers were pretty good in 2011. Gerald Wallace was pretty good, but you get to the next season after you lose to the Mavs in the playoffs, it doesn't go right. You quit on your team and you trade Gerald Wallace to the then New Jersey Nets. And boy, how did it work out well. They got the draft pick that became Damian Lillard. They weren't very good the next season, and then they ripped off eight consecutive playoff appearances in, the ro in a row. They drafted the second best player or the best player in franchise history. It worked out really, really well. Um, if it works out that well this time, 
we're going to say a lot of nice things about Joe Cronin the way we don't say a lot of nice things about Chad Buchanan, who not only made that trade as an interim GM, but then dra- did the legwork to draft Damian Lillard because uh, Neil Olshay was hired three weeks before the NBA draft. All your draft prep in Blazerland was done beforehand and Buchanan was still on the staff. So uh, shout out to Chad Buchanan, shout out to the, to the tank of 2012. Hopefully that in 10 years later, a decade later, it goes the right way. Let's come back in the second segment answer more of your questions on this glorious special delivery modified mailbag Wednesday. I guess Thursday, by the time you're listening, this is Thursday, March 3rd show. But before we get there to a second segment, more of your questions, I want to tell you about betonline.net. The Blazers have lost three straight games by 37, 32, and 30. They're not only losing, they're getting crushed. You want to you want to bet, you want to fade the Blazers, make a little money, bet on the other team to cover. Uh, these, the Phoenix Suns were favored when I checked before tip-off by 10 and one-half points. They won by 30. You could have faded the Blazers, bet against them, and made a whole bunch of money on betonline.net, or at least made some money while the Blazers lose. Uh, not only do they have odds on the Blazers games uh, where they will be favored, but where they will be double digit underdogs for most of the games for the rest of the season, but they got everything else from NHL to soccer all over the globe, to tennis tournaments, to, uh, I guess golf when it's back in action here in a couple weeks to the NCAA tournament coming up. We got a really fun month of college hoops coming up. Combat sports. You can play your favorite Vegas casino games. Check it out. Go to betonline.net right now. That's betonline where the game starts. All right. Let's keep it rolling on this glorious mailbag Monday slash Thursday. This glorious special delivery mailbag. Our next question comes from MapQuest Malnati. That's at Malnati on Twitter who asks, can you circle back to the idea of Joe Ingles as the key to the Blazers offseason? I got a bit lost in the cap science sauce there. Maybe an explain it like I'm five slash metaphor would be entertaining. Yeah, I'll just explain it to you like I'm five because there's no metaphor. Let me say this, uh, just to be clear. I screwed that up. Uh, I did the, I'm, I'm, I'm like a low, I'm like a very low end capologist. I do some basic math and my basic math suggested something that that was incorrect and was quickly corrected by uh, my good friend, Eric Griffith, uh, writes for Blazers Edge and Willamette Week, mostly Willamette Week, um, and a, and a, a dude who really has cap stuff dialed. And he said, Hey Mike, you got it wrong. And what I explained, uh, on the, in that show in the Joe Ingles show, the Joe Ingles segment, I did seven minutes on it, but, uh, was that Joe Ingles who has a cap hold, which means like he'll, the Blazers have his rights. It's not a contract, but it's his rights and it counts against the cap for 20 million bucks would help Portland stay over the salary cap, which would allow them to exercise some of the advantages of being an over the cap team. But, but that's even if they renounce Yusuf Nurkic and Josh Hart, which they're not going to do, the Blazers would still be a shade over the cap, even without the Ingles uh, contract, they can still get there. Um, my math was suggesting that they get rid of Eric Bledsoe and maybe a little more gymnastics and just some bad additions. So they don't need Ingles to stay over the salary cap. If they do some other teardown trades, Ingles' uh, bird rights will be of, uh, of value to them. But as a contract, I was just straight up, straight up incorrect about that. And I apologize for being incorrect. And um, so... Like I said, I make mistakes on here where I say third quarter meant fourth quarter, but when I give you factually incorrect information, that is that is something that I feel bad about, and I feel bad about doing bad cap math to get to to suggest that Joe Ingles was the key. The Blazers are going to want to be an over the cap team. It makes more sense for them to operate as an over the cap team, and 
Ingles, if some other things happen, will allow them to do that. But uh, Casey Holdall of Trailblazers.com recently reported on Twitter that he thinks that the Blazers value Joe Ingles as a player, uh, not just as a contract, as was reported here on this podcast, or speculated as maybe more accurate. I wasn't doing reporting. I was just straight up doing bad math and a little bit of speculation. Um, I, I'm i not questioning Casey's reporting. I I am certain he's right that, that that's how what people in the Blazers organization are telling him and, you know, his colleagues or whatever it might be. He's worked for the content team, not the basketball team, but people who work, people who work in the same building. Um, it's, uh, I'm sure that they, that he has heard that. I'm not questioning the reporting. I'm questioning the logic of that. Joe Ingles is 34. He's coming off a torn ACL. He had a down year this year. He's really good um, a, a season ago. But this season, the way that we're still at the, the tail end of, Ingles took a big step back and was uh, was significantly worse for the Jazz. And then he tore his ACL um, in at the end of January. Like, just timing-wise, he's probably not going to be back until at least January of 2023. And... If the Blazers are, you know, offering him a minimum contract, he's an unrestricted free agent. He can go wherever he wants. You would assume that he would just go back to the Jazz for that type of money. And if they're offering him more than that at 35 coming off an ACL injury, weird. <laughs> that would be weird. I'm not saying they're not going to do it. They might do it. Uh, Damon Lord missed specifically, mentioned specifically Joe Ingles on, when he was talking about the team next season about uh, with on his appearance on Draymond Green's podcast. Like, clearly he's... Ingles is like a conversation that's happening with the decision makers. I include Dame among the decision makers for the Blazers. Clearly, they consider him a player, and clearly they consider him a valuable vet. And Ingles, as a theoretical player of a couple years ago, 6'8", who can handle and make plays um, and is like competitive enough on defense at his size that he doesn't get burned, awesome. Joe Ingles, the reality of 2023 Joe Ingles, I'm, I will not be signing up for that ride, but you are welcome to. In fact, the Blazers are welcome to as well because I do not get consulted on these decisions. But again, apologies for that bad cap math. Uh, Ingles could be important, but he's not the key, as I previously suggested. And that's a screw up by me. And I'm, I sincerely apologize for that error. Next question comes from All Good. That's Julio Can2 on Twitter who asks, Things are falling apart in Lakerland. Are the Blazers circling their superstars like vultures right now or nah? You know, the Blazers are going to do their due diligence, but you got to think about it like this. If the if the Lakers are indeed going to get wild and shell out, um, you know, the, it's not Russell Westbrook. He's, first of all, not a star. Second of all, not helpful. Um, so, like, you're talking about Anthony Davis and LeBron James when you talk about the Lakers stars. If the Blazers are going to make a trade for one of those two gentlemen, you're absolutely going to have to include Anthony Simons in the deal. It's going to be Anthony Simons in a sign-and-trade and some other parts like Josh Hart to make it match. Would you trade Ant and Josh Hart for 37-year-old LeBron James? You might! You might! But that's the that's the question you have to ask. Would you trade Anthony Simons and whatever salary matching works to get Anthony Davis? You might! But um, I don't know that the Blazers would. Like, I don't have have any insight into that i think just like think about it from from that perspective if the asking price is amfrey simons or dame which isn't on the table but if the asking price is simons the blazers um best young part that is entering free agency and you can make the money work with big money stars like ad and lebron is that is that an asking price you would be for a 22 year old that says looks as good as ant would you do that you might <laughs> you might Next question comes from Dallas Stamper at Dallas Stamper on Twitter, who asks, 
I keep hearing that Damon Ant is just Damon CJ 2.0. Ant seems to be a better passer and ball handler to me. Do you see that or is that wishful thinking? I do not think he's a better ball handler than CJ McCollum. Not close. Ant could really stand to tighten up his handle. CJ has a bag and a half. Um, Ant is more athletic. Uh, conceivably, he could get to the rim a little bit better than CJ. Um, I'm, I've been a little disappointed in the sort of tanking era Blazers Ant, which is three games deep. I wish Ant was a little more aggressive getting to the rim. I realize he's seeing four defenders in the paint as easier said than done, but there are moments when I feel like he could get all the way there. He's also a really good shooter, so like him taking pull-ups is fine with me, um, but a little, you know, just getting to the foul line a handful of times. Ant's got to put, find, rim pressure has to be part of Ant's arsenal. That's a that's a big step for him, uh, and, and I think he can do that in a way that I don't think CJ has just a burst to. CJ's special is just getting loose and hitting tough shots. Ant has more in more in the more physical tools to be um, to be a guy who lives at the line with his with his, his continuing to add strength and his explosiveness. He's not a better ball handler than CJ though. I do not see that. And I'm not sure that he's a better passer necessarily. I think at this point in his career, he's much better than CJ was at this point in CJ's career. In year four for CJ, he was um, kind of just exploring the idea of being of passing. Period. Um, you know. He he really took uh, a, a step forward as, as just sort of a playmaker in, in his third season, but it wasn't until uh, year five that CJ kind of became a guy who averaged over four assists a game. So I think Ant has a chance to be, you know, Ant's 22, CJ was 22 when he came to the league. Uh, so Ant's like further along for sure, but four years of NBA seasoning is a little bit different. So yeah, I think Ant can be a much better playmaker than CJ. He's more willing passer. I think he makes reads better than CJ did at this stage in his career. Um, I think there's, I think it's very, 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 very reasonable that Amphrey Simons could be better than CJ McCollum in October. I'm not sure you could say that he's like a lot better than him right now. He's more intriguing, more, you know, and I think you could make a case that Amphrey Simons is better than CJ McCollum. Like you could make a very compelling case. Like we didn't, we wouldn't even have to argue. You could say, I think Ant's better. And I'd say, yeah, you might be right. Like, but I think they're right now, like in March of 2022, I think they're comparable players, but one of them's 30 and one of them's 22. You just know which way the graphs are going by by how age how age and time work together so the question is does a player who's like better than cj but relatively similar do anything different and to me i don't know i just don't know i think damon ant has a chance to be very good in the way that damon cj were very good like there's teams that win push towards 50 wins and challenge for home court advantage in the playoffs and you know and win a, win a, can win a playoff series if they get the right matchup and all those things but it, it just is what it is. Damon Lord's not a very good defender, and he's he's ter- he's turning 32. Like he's straight up bad defender. Um, his most recent fully healthy season, he was bad on defense. This year, I just throw out because Ant because or because Dame was hurt. But like in Dame's most recent fully healthy season, he was bad on defense. Anthony Simons, while he has some tools, has never been good on defense. And in fact, uh, prior to this year, was graded out at least in terms of metrics that I don't really believe in, but certainly graded out by the advanced metrics as one of the really awful defenders in the league. I think Ant has taken strides on that end. I think he can be better, but I still think you end up in the same boat is that two guys who are roughly their size are going to are going to have some defensive limitations and I'll put a cap on what this team can be. I think Ant and Dame can be better than Dame and CJ, but the idea that it's wholly different does not jive with what I watch. I think Avery Simons has a chance to be a star in this league, but fit and team and scheme matter so much more. Your coworkers are going to be your the most important part 
part of what happens in the league. And if you're going to pair Dame and Ant together, you're going to have a ton of talent, but you're also going to have some overlap and some challenges. And I just think that's true with what the Blazers have moving forward. All right, let's come back in the third segment, answer more of your questions to close out this special delivery mailbag. But first, let me tell you about rockauto.com. It's the family business that's been serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. They specialize in helping you if you need to work on your car and you need the parts to do so. There are so many makes and models of cars nowadays that a chain auto parts store or the dealership just can't, they cannot carry everything that they would need to, to serve their customers. But you know who can? RockAuto.com. Plus, they can save you some money, like 30, 50, or even 100% more, or 100% less, rather, than if you're going to the chain auto parts store or the dealership. Save time. Save money. Make your life easier. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. And while you're there, make sure you write locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box. That way they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Rockauto.com. Still a pass first point guard. Still Mike Richmond. You are still listening to Locked on Blazers. Let's keep it rolling with more questions on the special delivery mailbag episode. This next question comes from Zach at Zach11Clark who asks, I listen to Lockdown Blazers every weekday morning. It's my first listen in the morning. What is your first listen in the morning and do you re-listen to episodes? So, um, okay, Nick, if you're listening, <laughs> Nick, if you're listening to this, plug your ears for a second. Okay, Nick's gone. Uh, I didn't always listen back to my episodes. Uh, I've been doing this for a little over three years. Uh, and when I first started doing this, I hated listening back to my voice. But I, now I've done this a kajillion times. Um, that's roughly how many episodes I produced in three years. And now I, I, I listen back for to make sure I get things right. I listen back to make sure the, the show doesn't stink. I want to make this show really good. Like it's important to me for this to be a good show. It's um, it's that matters to me because I, I appreciate y'all and, and I uh, quite frankly like doing it. And if I like doing it, I want to do a good job. So I do listen back to episodes, but I certainly do not make this my first listen every day because waking up and hearing my own voice in my head sounds, um, true, tr truly wild. Okay, Nick, you can listen again. Um, yeah, so I usually listen to like sort of lighthearted comedy podcasts in the morning. Um, I'm not a big terrestrial radio guy. Uh, so if I listen to, and I'm a big podcast guy. So if I listen to to uh, shows in the morning, it'll be um, Stop Podcasting Yourself or uh, Jordan, Jesse Go, occasionally My Brother, My Brother and Me. Those are like standard podcasts is like white guys riffing. Um, uh, other, you know, I, I listen to other shows on the network, particularly, um, you know, Locked in NBA, the sort of overarching big, uh, big show uh, covering the league. Uh, it's a great way to get caught up in 30 minutes on kind of what happened the night before and the biggest stories in the league. And I really, I enjoy Locked on NBA. I sh you should check it out too. But um, if I, when I do listen to the show, it's later in the afternoon. It's uh, I listen to it sort of you know post lunch when I'm uh, when I'm doing work. I check in on what. What did I what did I have to say about uh, about that? So thanks, thank you, Zach, for making this show your first listen every day. I hope everyone else does the same. Next question comes from Matt Brisbane at m brisbane eleven on Twitter, who asks: With so much cap space going into the offseason, what are the ch what chances do you think the Blazers have of contending for a championship in the next two to three years, or is their ceiling still three through six for the foreseeable future? Yeah, I think the Blazers have a path to being three through six, like pretty quickly next year. I think Damon Lord has a chance to be one of the 10 best players in the league again next season. Um, he's really good. Uh, I, 
age is going to catch up with him at some point. You know, you could argue maybe it has with this injury stuff, but I think this is more lingering, chronic thing than than sort of like um, hitting the aging wall. I think Dame has I think Dame has two to three more excellent seasons in him. I, I truly, truly believe that. Um, it's what you know if excellent is the 15th best player in the league so be it like i think that i think i think he can still be one of the stars in the league and if you have one of those players in the roster and depending on what ant turns into and i i think yusuf nurkic is one of i think he's an above average center i think he tops out somewhere around like one of the eight best centers in the league he's 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 really solid and a, a good defensive player um had a had an excellent season before this uh before the plantar fasciitis stuff. Um, I, I like the additions of Josh Hart and, and Justice Winslow. I like the potential of Nazir Little. Like I, I think the Blazers have some stuff, right? Like I think they got, I think they got some stuff and a path back to being pretty good in October, pretty good in November, like right away. But the 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 sort of bar for contending teams is just so high. It's really, it's it's just really tough. Um, you look at the the sort of top teams in the league that can like truly win in the West, and it's it's two teams, maybe three, if you can really talk yourself into the Jazz. Um, it's I, I guess Memphis could conceivably win the NBA title, but it's like it's three or four teams. Um, and, and I'm not I'm not really a Grizzlies necessarily believer. I think they're really good, but I'm not sure they could win, you know, four playoff series. I don't I don't see that happening. So it's like you know it's Phoenix and Golden State. And it's probably if Phoenix is healthy, like them by a pretty wide margin, they're a very good team. Um, and their their length and their depth and their you know, top end talent with Devin Booker and uh, and Chris Paul and DeAndre Ayton, like they're really good. And I don't I'm not sure the Blazers have a path to get there that quickly. Although with the right moves, I think you could you could see them pushing up towards you know third in the West, right? Like like you said, their ceiling. You look at the other side, like there are the Eastern Conference is a buzz saw. I think there's maybe five teams that are better than the Blazers in the East at least, like at full strength. <laughs> so there's you know thirteen teams that are better than the Blazers as they currently are. Um, but like at full strength, like if you if you sort of project this roster fully healthy, I think there's still five teams that are better than the Blazers in the East. Like it's just really hard for me to see them winning a championship. That said, like this, it's too early to know what they do this summer they're going to have a couple draft picks they're going to have um they're probably not going to have cap space but they're going to have the ability to upgrade the roster via uh, a large trade exception and uh, the mid-level exceptions and some other moves like they're going to have opportunities to make this team better i think they have a path back to being pretty darn good but like as i stand here today as I, i'm sitting but as i sit here today um no i don't really I, I it's hard for me to like easily connect the dots to championship uh I think they have a path back to decent and let's check back in on, you know, August 10th, I think August 15th, call it middle August when the whole NBA is on vacation. And, and when we're in, we're in that mode in the middle of August, we'll have a better sense of sort of how close we think they are. But right now I think they could get back to pretty good quickly, but beyond that seems, we know some of it is how Ant develops and what they do this summer. And We'll make some judgments in August. We'll make some other judgments in December, and we'll know more in the spring. But like, I don't, I don't see it right now. Next question comes from Wayne Hughes at Reading the Water on Twitter, who asks, "I still see the Blazers need to get much, much better at both forward positions. I see Josh Hart as a sixth man. If Hart or Nazir Little are the starting small forward next season, then it's a failure. How do you see it? I think failure is too strong of a word. 
yeah, I think you could make a case that the Blazers, if they're going to be really good, that Josh Hart and Nazir Little are your and and uh, Justice Winslow are your the sort of trio of wings off the bench. That's a kick-ass wing trio off the bench. Like I like that group, but the idea that they're going to upgrade, you know, finding a starting forwards and like star level forwards in the league is very hard. I think failure is the wrong word. I think it's just a reality of where they are as a franchise. It's going to be hard to upgrade those both of those spots. Um, it's not a failure if either of those guys start on opening nights. It's it might be a limitation. But it's certainly not. A, I wouldn't regard it as a failure because Nazir Little might be a long-term starter in the league and Josh Hart's pretty good. Having having that on the roster isn't a failure. It's just, it's a reality of being a team that's not quite there. Hence the like, I don't see them as a championship contender. That's why I put these questions right next to each other, right? Like it's, it's they have they have some pretty good parts on the roster, some pretty intriguing and good parts on the roster and they can be good in a hurry. It's just that good to great step is so hard such a hard bridge to cross. Um, and even the teams that take big leaps like the Grizzlies, like they're still not good to great. That's a, they're a really good competitive team. Uh, obviously, the playoffs will define a lot of that and maybe they'll make me look stupid. But I think um, the bridging that gap from good to great is, is, the, is the toughest. Is, that is the toughest journey in the league. And the Blazers can get back to good pretty quickly. But getting back to great's tough. And some of that journey is because of this. It's like it's hard to find really good wings in the league. And when you do, and they're Mikhail Bridges, you got to give them 90 million dollars and hope they never leave it's just it's it's how it works so um yeah i don't I, I don't think it's a failure i think it's a reality of the situation next question final question of the show comes from jonathan sassy at j sassy on twitter who asks if the trailblazers secure two lottery picks how likely do you think it is that they actually use them to draft players versus trading them for starting front court players they need everyone knows we all know dear listeners that the blazers desperately need better forwards in a win now plan are they really looking to draft for rotation players so some of this depends on where the blazers end up in the draft right like if they're picking one uh, what's the best case scenario one and five the blazers pick lands at one the pelicans pick it at five they are keeping those picks and they are pressing forward or they're taking one and trading five. That's probably the most likely scenario. Um, but like, uh, if, you know, if they're picking nine and 10, uh, it depends on what you can get for nine and 10. So many listeners sent me in questions about Jeremy Grant. There's like this idea that the Blazers are for show killer going to land Jeremy Grant. And I think they will pursue Grant again, but I certainly wouldn't trade two draft picks for Jeremy Grant. Uh, I wouldn't trade two top 10 picks for Grant. I think sort of one of the best case scenarios, um, like in a Jeremy Grant trade, a couple other listeners sent me the idea of Jonathan Isaac, a player who I've floated on this podcast before. Is like his, he, his like ceiling is like elite defender, all, all NBA type of defense, the perfect type of um, four to to pair with uh, to pair with sort of this particular group. He'd be awesome if he was the Blazers starting power forward. But I would, probably wouldn't trade the eighth and ninth pick in the draft for a guy coming off an ACL injury. Uh, just wouldn't do it. Cost-controlled assets, and that's what lottery picks are. I mean, they're humans. They're basketball players and people, so I don't, I don't love using that language. But like, guys under team control for, for four, and if, you, and if you pay him again for eight up to nine, uh, if, you, if you give him a five-year max, like, Eight seasons, 
I don't know if you can do that with the Blazers' sort of financial situation. They kind of need guys to bridge the gap forward. Um, a lot of it is going to depend on where it happens. I could see them trading, certainly depending on where the picks fall, trading one to try to make that upgrade. You you say one pick and the trade and the traded player exception. They have about a twenty million dollar traded player exception uh, that they got in the the uh, New Orleans Pelicans deal. So you can that's it doesn't act as cap space, but you can absorb a, a single player into that trade exception. Jeremy Grant. Um, actually, I don't think he fits exactly, but you could make you could make the math work. Um, Grant and Grant and a one pick and the trade of player exception for someone like Jonathan Isaac or someone like Jeremy Grant. I would be that's to me that is the move that makes sense. But does that appeal to other teams? Does just just getting like it might specifically appeal to the Pistons, which is why the Grant thing makes sense. Like they want to get off of him, and and draft pick would be really appealing to them. Um, and maybe it also appeals to like whatever the direction of the magic is, you know, the new front office that didn't draft Jonathan Isaac, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, I mean, it's I think that we'll know more when we know where the draft picks are. And I think there is a case to be made for um, for trading them for trading the draft picks and going for it. But I think the most pragmatic way is to draft the best players available and hope that those best players are, you know, good rookies are sort of like, are neutral contributors in year one. Very few of them are positive contributors. Evan Mobley, shout out to the, to the God. But like uh, Scotty Barnes, like they're neutral contributors in in, uh, in year one, unless they're really special players. And then in year two and three, they're really good. If you can find someone who's neutral and playable in year one, and then is like really good in the, and beyond that, you know, I think you do that. I think you use both picks to get contributors who can help, who are going to be cheap and can be, you know, young players that are part of the future plan. Uh, the Blazers need upgrades at both forward spots. They need to get better. They need some center depth, which I think you don't, you, you know, you get on the cheap. Like they have some obvious issues, right? Like they have some, they need one more guard. They need one to two more forwards, either one very good forward or two pretty good forwards, and they need a backup center. Uh, they could probably use one random backup PG, but that's like low on the list and easy to find. It's they'll get there, um, or they that's where they need to go. But how they get there is is questionable, and I I don't know where they'll. I think where the draft picks land can maybe determine how valuable they are, how tradable they are, how appealing they are, and maybe how, and depending on who's in the Blazers range, how good the player that they might be selecting is. Because if they view the player as good, and Joe Cronin told Jason Quick of The Athletic this, like, he's just going to take the best player available and roll with it. Um, I think the Blazers have a fascinating few months coming up. They're losing a lot of games now to head towards a better draft pick, so we're going to have to pivot to looking at the draft here in the near future. I've been kind of holding off because it's March, but we'll get there in the final 15 games and, and heading into the offseason. So, like, it's a fascinating couple months coming up, but I don't think we know where they are right now to say they're definitely going to do this or definitely going to do that. But I think starting to think about the logic and why they would and why other teams would is um, is how we can kind of start to see the picture come come together a little more clear. That is going to do it for today's show. Uh, tomorrow's program, this is Thursday, March March 3rd show. Friday, March 4th show. Jason Quick of The Athletic is going to join the program. Make sure you make sure you check that one out. The Quick episodes are always a ton of fun. Recurring guest on the show, friend of mine, friend of yours, great reporter. So uh, make sure you check back. Make sure you tell friends to do the same. You can find this podcast wherever you are looking for us. Free on all platforms, five days a week, every single weekday. Uh, make it your first listen, even if I don't always. Thanks for listening. Talk to you soon.